0: Hi, and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. This is season five, episode 10. We have made it to the last episode of the season, you guys. We opened this season with polyamory and parenting, and we're going to close this season with polyamory and parenting part two. The more parenting, except it's parenting older children versus parenting young children. So my guests today are, in fact, my friends. Um... (laughs) So, I have my friends Jim Miles and Shannon Murray on the show with me today, and Jim and Shannon are a couple who live close to me here in Connecticut who have five children between the ages of two and 19. They have one toddler and four teenagers, and they're here to talk with me about parenting older kids. Before we get into that interview, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping, because this is, of course... The last episode of the season. So between seasons, things that you can find and places that you can find Ready for Polyamory, I'm gonna keep updating the blog at least once a week, probably maybe more like twice when I'm not doing the podcast. You can always find me on social media at Ready for Polyamory on Instagram and TikTok, and at LauraCB88 on Twitter. I'm at on Facebook, Facebook.com slash ready for polyamory for the page. And facebook.com slash groups slash ready for polyamory is our private group that you can join to be part of the little community that we're building there to share stories and ask for advice and all of that good stuff. So feel free to join any of those in between seasons. Season six will be back in the last week of July or first week of August. The exact date is kind of unknown at the moment. I'm organizing the episodes for that right now. So... Without further ado, we're gonna get into talking with Jim and Shannon about parenting older kids while you're non-monogamous.
1: So today I'm here with my friends Jim and Shannon. Jim is an engineer with a large media company and Shannon's an art therapist. They're a couple and they are friends of mine who live here in southern Connecticut. They have five children four of whom are teenagers and so I figured they'd be a pretty good guest to have on to talk or collection of guests, pair of guests. Guys, I've lost my mind. Anyway, they would be great guests to have on to talk about polyamory and parenting given that when we opened the season talking about polyamory and parenting, it was about mostly really young kids. So I figured a different perspective with older children would be a fun way to round this out. So thank you for joining me, Jim and Shannon. Hello.
2: It's great to be here.
1: So, you guys didn't start being non-monogamous until you were already, like, parents of older children.
2: Yeah, we're a blended family to start with, too. So, we became parents of all four children and got married. And we were monogamous for about a year.
3: Yeah, almost two years. Almost two years. And we... We started, um, we started non-monogamy, and then when we figured out it was turning into poly, then it got far more complicated, and eventually we had to figure that out and come out to the children and how to round life out a little bit more.
1: So one of the most common questions I get from listeners is how to come out to your children. What was this like conversation with your children for coming out like? Was it one
3: conversation? Was it a series of conversations? So so it turned into a little bit of an event for us. Um, we, we, were, we were a little anxious about it and had been discussing it. Um, our day-to-day life already involved some of our partners kind of in the household and interacting. Mm-hmm. Um, PDA, public displays of affection are really common in our household among our friends. Um, so the kids were going to figure it out anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So, teenagers are, are pretty sharp, not that they led on to that. Um, so <laughs> we we did uh we discussed it and we ended up inviting um a bunch of our partners and friends um to the house. I think it was in the spring or fall and we had a campfire outside and we like came out to them. Um, and they took it really well. Like we were worried that there would be reaction and judgment. um, And it, it felt, I think it felt really pedestrian to them because they had already been living in the household and seeing it not really impact their lives substantially. And the, the interesting part of it is that they all kind of, they're, they're all individual creatures and they had their, their reactions that you might expect from each of them. So, Um, The oldest, I I think, is is very blunt and logical and asked literally, like, how does this affect me personally? He
2: said, (laughs) who gets us if you die? Oh, yeah. He also. Which is literal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and, and I said, still your grandma. Yeah.
3: And the the youngest um, was, I mean, he was excited, like, great, more adults, more friends. That's great for me. I'm happy. What's for dinner? (laughs) <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they were all pretty, pretty chill with it.
2: We asked, Do you, does anyone have any questions? And Gavin, um, who's my biological son who often asks really hard questions, raised his hand and said, can I have another hamburger? So it was just literally such a non-issue to, to most of the children, particularly like most of them were the oldest was a teenager, but the, the others were like tween, teenagers. And mm-hmm. um, so they were a little bit younger, but these were, we had a whole group of people there to like answer any questions they might have um these were all people they already knew so these were people who had already been coming to the house already coming for parties like we would just have events and have the kids like already knew all of these people as our friends and we had kind of said like the way we came out was you know just like we have all of you children and we love you all like equally but different we believe that you can love multiple people So, you know, dad and I love each other and we're married to each other. um, But we also want to be able to uh, explore, you know, the way we feel about other people. So we were kind of like using that metaphor with them of like, there's lots of you and we don't love you any less because we also love your brother um, so we were like, well, we don't love each other any less if we also love other people. And the kids were like, yeah, great. That makes perfect sense. Like, can we get on with the party part? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. May we please have that hamburger though?
2: <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice do you have for people who have yet to come out to their children?
3: Well, I mean, I think. Part of it has to be a, a willingness to not only come out to your children and kind of give them the, the age appropriate language and tools to understand it at the, in your home, but understand that children don't keep secrets. So by, by coming out to your children, you have to prepare them in, in whatever ways that they're ready for to, um, to talk about it in other contexts. So we, we did try to do that with our kids where we gave them some, the language and the tools um, and hopefully the, the tact to know, like, if they go to school and talk about their dad's girlfriend, they might catch some judgment coming from someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got to choose whether to have that conversation or not.
2: Yeah, we very specifically said to them, we believe that there is nothing wrong with what the way we choose to live and love. But not everyone um, feels that way about it. So some people, if you tell them that your parents are poly, because we use that language with them right away. Mm -hmm. One piece of advice I have is to not give children any language you don't want them repeating. Mm -hmm. So when we came out to our children, we were fully prepared to come out to our whole life. We actually came out to our parents in preparation for coming Mm -hmm. out to our children, because that was not going to be possible. Like there was no way for the children to know we were poly and their grandparents and Jim's ex-wife to not know that. So Mm -hmm. we came out to everybody else significant before coming out to the children. Um, But yeah, my, my, my advice on the language you use is only use language that you don't mind them repeating. Mm -hmm. Um, My other advice is that most children are really smart and and like have figured out that there's more going on than you've told them. And so part of why we wanted to do that pretty quickly is we didn't want them to think there was anything wrong if somebody stayed over like if dad was away and somebody stayed over we didn't want any of them to have any questions about that because they were already teen and teenagers they would already notice that that's atypical in the culture we live in
3: right you didn't they, want it to be and, the, oh, sorry. the result was that they had the right questions like they often will ask like oh how many people are coming for dinner tonight or like
2: and if we say no and they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, the seven of us are just not enough entertainment anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: you guys didn't want it to be like a thing of one of them noticing something and being like, oh no, are our parents cheating on each other? And like sitting there giving the sidelong glance and trying to figure out whether or not they should ask something.
3: Right. And I think, I mean, in that way, like they've seen us model good relationship communication and like calendaring and like all the things that, that come with Polly. And, and it doesn't phase them if like suddenly somebody else is coming by or um, if like I have a date or you have a date, like it's, it's a casual conversation at this point. Like, oh, where's mom? Like, oh, she's, she's on a date tonight. Like no big deal.
2: Yeah, Te- teenagers, especially if, if they grew up isolated from the concept of mm-hmm. polyamory, I think they can be very um, they can be very judgmental about it. We, despite the fact that we weren't poly, our children actually had exposure to other people that were yeah. s- starting when they were very young. So mm-hmm. the younger they are, like for for our toddler. We won't ever have to come out to her. It will Mm -hmm. just be part of the schema to her of what relationships can be like we will have to do work around like different relationships look different, which I think everyone should be doing right with their children, but what is Polly or the fact that we're poly and that we, we have other people that we date and love and are in relationship with, that will just be obvious to her. That will just be how life is. Well, um,
1: it's like with my kids where it's just, of course, that's how it is.
2: Right. Um, but we will probably have the conversation with her when she goes off to school, like we had with the older kids where like, you want to be careful what you say, because not all adults feel the same way. And some adults might feel differently about you or see you differently. And it really just isn't their business. That's the other thing that we told our kids is like, it really isn't anybody's business who your parents date. But if you want to tell anyone, like if you want to tell someone about dad's girlfriend, you can feel free to do that and kind of learn those lessons on your own.
3: And it's a balance between protecting them from the world as children and normalizing the values that are important to us to the point where we don't create something that feels like it should be a secret or a taboo for them.
1: Yeah. So now that most of your children are older, are any of them dating And are any of the ones who are dating, dating non-monogamously?
3: So, so there has, there has been some dating. um, And the, the oldest um, who's 19 now, a couple years ago, um, he started dating for the first time and he, uh, he let us know. And he also uh, made a little bit of a proclamation at the dinner table that same night. And he's like, guys, I I just want to tell you, that uh, I'm, I'm dating somebody and we've decided to be monogamous because it, it just seems less complicated. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can't do anything but applaud that.
2: Right. You know? And yeah. I was like, you're absolutely right. It is less complicated and it's a much easier way to start out with dating.
3: Yeah.
2: And um, it was funny because it felt like he came out as monogamous <laughs> in, in our house, which was really kind of humorous.
3: Um, and then also, um, our, our other son who is now 17, um, a few, he's dated a few people. Um, one of his really early relationships, um, was Polly. Um, and I think for, for him and for the other kids, uh, generationally, they've found a lot of acceptance, like in their school environment, it's not as rare as it, as it might have felt to us. Like, our fear and and that it was like a really obscure taboo thing is not true for for teenagers. Um so they they found each other and started dating but they did run into some issues um with um the other no
2: one of one of the well actually I guess both sets of parents weren't supportive but one like what one of the girls tried to come out to her family and that didn't go well and that kind of ended up breaking the whole thing. And Gavin actually was, he asked us like, why are you guys so like awesome and good at parenting? He <laughs> <laughs> was like, I just can't imagine you guys like telling me that I couldn't date someone because of like my orientation or whatever. It was just really kind of sweet. And I was like, well, you know, not everyone has had the same opportunity to learn and to work on themselves. So I was kind of trying to not you as a parent. You don't want to be like, yeah, those other parents are terrible. <laughs> you never want to you never want to set up that situation. So I I saw it as an opportunity to help him find compassion of like, well, you know, if they were raised with certain ideas, it's a lot of work to move past them, and this might be a first step or an opportunity for them to look at or think differently. But you know, we can't judge other people on where they are in their journey kind of thing.
3: Yeah. And I think that's been like that's definitely a core value for us is is not not creating those judgments in within our household mm-hmm. and creating a supportive environment so that the kids have exposure to and language for all sorts of of colors of of sexuality and orientation And um,
2: we have very thorough kind of sex ed with them about like, you know, the ace pan spectrum and, you know, all different kinds of sexual orientations and identities that have, I think, made it easier for them to kind of find their truth in who they are and who they want to date. And Gavin actually said to me today, he said, I identify as poly for the same reason I identify as bisexual. I just want to be able to date everyone I want. <laughs> and I was like, fair, Valley, I feel the same way.
1: <laughs> so do you think that there have been any particular challenges to raising kids while being non-monogamous?
3: Um, we haven't run into a lot of like judgment or difficulty around it. Um, I, I think for me maybe the hardest part is that it, it does, like dating multiple people pulls more focus from me, right? So the calendaring exercise becomes that much harder. And I mean, having, having children is a full-time job on its own and mm-hmm. I have a full-time career and I have a full-time partner and I'm trying to date other people. So, so the math doesn't quite work, but we figure out how to balance it anyway.
2: Right.
1: Everybody just kind of doesn't sleep at some point. Exactly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we kind of have a, so I have several partners that I see basically like once a month. Mm -hmm. And then Jim has a more serious partner that he would see more regularly. Um, But basically in order to fit people in, it's like the commitment is, And we say this to people: like, if you want more of us, you just have to push in to our lives and our household. And like, you're welcome to come hang out with us and our kids, or like, go to a kid's concert, or like, go to an event that we're having. But like, we don't have getting any of our time and attention because we carry so much as a household um, is is challenging.
1: Right, with five kids, one-on-one
3: time is not. The most available, right? But I think that the other side of that coin is that we do sometimes benefit from having extra adults in our life that we know and trust, and can sometimes be responsible for things. I mean, in a pinch, we've we've called a partner to go pick up somebody from school, to mm-hmm. come do some emergency plumbing when I'm out of town, things like that, and like those those types of clutch moves mm-hmm. are. Like, you, you can't find that. That's a, a type of community and family that you, you don't find elsewhere. Yeah.
2: And even not in a pinch. Like, we yeah. definitely have partners that we rely on that we can ask for, you know, to pick somebody up from school or to you know, help us with the toddler, if we have an appointment, like we Mm -hmm. definitely have people in our life that we will call on for those things kind of on a regular basis, because it takes a village. And when you're poly, you kind of just have one like there, which is great. And um, Gavin actually said, like, that's one of the things that he loves about us being poly was that there's so many adults like there's so many adult influences and like cool adults that they get to meet but he loves talking to one of my partners about anime and like the different like shared interests that he has um I feel like he sees that uh, all of these additional role models and all of these additional ways of like being an adult and doing life mm-hmm. um which is really a positive thing for him yeah I'm like That kind of
1: answers my next question, which was going to be, and what are the advantages of doing this this way? You guys have just listed all of them, right? (laughs) I mean, or at least many of them. Um, But like, are there different kind of family members or friends who you came out to, because you've mentioned having to come out to certain family members and friends about your polyamory as part of having to come out to the kids, right? That you did that beforehand. Did mm-hmm. any of them have like reactions or concerns, sort of yeah. about the children or your parenting or some effect of polyamory on that? Yeah, and I so mean, what the,
3: were they? The um the most common reaction I got was like, "Oh, that makes sense." <laughs> um, but, but the uh, uh there were definitely concerns um, coming from our our parents. And and I think generationally, um, it it comes off as a threat for them, right? Because it's not in their it's not in their context or in their worldview as much. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was definitely not quite resistance, but like lack of understanding. And they would ask questions like, like I think my my dad said, like, "Well, your mom was always enough for me." And I was like, "Well, that's not quite what it's about." Um, but but then later that day he said well you know that book you mentioned I I think I would like to read it so I felt like really accepted in that moment where like he acknowledged that it was uncomfortable for him and he didn't quite understand it but he was willing to put the effort in to understand it Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom I think accepted it a little more but also kind of has her her boundaries so like she'll always refer to my partner as my friend mm-hmm. um but they get along great and she doesn't see her as a homewrecker um right. just somebody who's part of our family now well, which is the the goal right so i i think that they accepted it in a generationally appropriate way which was was great i don't think i could have asked her anymore well
2: and with my mom i think she um so she was, I have a different relationship with my mom and she is very used to me just doing what I'm going to do. But Mm -hmm. she would say like, I don't know why you want to make your life so hard. And I just said to her, when do you remember my life ever being easy? Like Polly is definitely not the most complicated thing that has ever (laughs) happened in my life. (laughs) And she's like, okay, that's a fair point. And for my mom, I I feel like Jim's partner in particular really had to win her over Mm -hmm. to, but like the minute my mom saw her as an asset, like saw that she picks the kids up from school. If we need help with that, like my mom actually asked Jim's partner to come watch our toddler while we were away. And my mom was here with the kids for like a whole week so that my mom could go to some grandparents day at my son's school. So my mom has like developed enough trust and enough of a relationship where she's like, I want to reach out to your partners too, to help me while I'm there in Connecticut, which was mm-hmm. really great. Like that was like really uh, interesting, <laughs> an interesting, interesting thing to see.
1: Yeah. And I think that reaction, that initial reaction of, I just don't want this to be harder for you is a really typical reaction to any kind of coming out from people of our parents' generation. Like that was my mom's reaction to my sister when she came out as gay was just, okay, I love you are you sure? Because this will be harder for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And, and then
1: parent, when my I, sister said affirmatively, like, yes, I am sure my mom was like, okay, great. Bring it in for a hug. Okay. Like, and from there it's been smooth sailing. But the first reaction was, are you sure this is going to be harder for you? Right, And, and, and as, as a I,
2: parent, I can a hundred percent relate to that
1: right so i think it's that combination of like parental instinct and generationally just i don't get this it sounds hard why do they want this right but like you can see why they have that reaction to start
3: right we've definitely brought that up with the children too like when we talk about relationships with them and when they see us um sometimes struggling through relationship communication Mm -hmm. um, that has to do with poly or not. I mean, it's complicated and we're, we're opting into that, but, but we also acknowledge that it's, it's a choice one doesn't have to make.
1: Right. Like relationships are messy and it's okay for relationships to be messy sometimes, so long as we're choosing to love each other through that mess and like work through it together.
2: One one thing that I was Concerned about my son, and I think this is like a really common thing for single parents. So, Jim and I met as both as single parents. Mm -hmm. And when you have children involved and you're introducing them to another adult that's supposed to be someone important to them and someone that's in their life, a lot of people choose to wait to introduce the kid until they're sure with Jim and I, that was like not possible. Like we met with the kids and it was just how it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But I understand that drive. And I did initially have that concern when we were poly of like, Oh, my son, you know, my son's father passed away when he was very young. So that Mm -hmm. kind of loss of somebody who was significant and then goes away is really hard for him. So I was like, am I going to be, is he going to be meeting all of these people? Like, am I going to be introducing him to that over and over again? Mm-hmm. And I think the, the reality is that, well, first of all, even if you're just dating monogamously, there's no way to completely prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Like that just happens is that people come in and out of your life. Um, so I've talked to him about like chapters of your life where some people will be There for a chapter of your life, and that there isn't anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like, with there being so many people, he's almost found like relief in that. Like, okay, well, this person that was important to me might no longer be in my life, but there are so many other wonderful people that I will have. Like, I know that I will be taken care of, and I know that I will have all of these interesting people and role models in my life. And so I feel like being poly has actually helped. Him with that and more people stick around and come back around in poly I think where if you're monogamous yeah. and you break up that person's gone forever in poly when a relationship changes there's actually a lot more of a chance that that person will still remain around in your life
1: right I feel like a lot more polyamorous people take a lot more effort to like at least take a minute to sort out what the exit strategy is. Even well, if it's even if the immediate one is I need some space, they take a minute to figure out, well, how can we stay in community though? Yeah. Because well, we're such
3: a relatively small community. That's that's the key word there, Laura, community. I mean that's that's what it's about. And I and I think it it looks so different than the very like serial monogamy that most people experience where people come in and out of our lives and our children's lives in such a a variety of ways um, as part of our community, not as like a focal point of a relationship escalator that sometimes falls off Mm -hmm. where there's just, they get much more comfortable with that, that ebb and flow and kind of trusting that, the whole community is there for them. Not, not necessarily a specific person. I mean, don't get me wrong. They do build trust and individual connection with certain people, but I I think that we've, we've modeled a type of community for them that I I think is exceptional.
1: Well, right. And you guys are sort of like pretty great examples of people who set up events and run them as like, look, we want to actually build community. So we'll put in extra work, volunteer our space, do these things to make sure they happen, right. bring the well, kids, bring people around. Right. Like, also,
2: yeah, our, our family is so big, it is hard to move. So <laughs> we started, like, we realized early, like, you know what? Even going over to dinner at somebody's house as seven is intimidating for most people. So let's just have people here, like often, like anyone can come and let's have like, we have what we call now polycule potlucks, where we just have anyone who's like polyamorous or even sometimes polyaware can come and bring their whole family, bring any number of partners, bring their kids, bring their dogs. Like mm-hmm. we just, we like kind of being able to.
1: <laughs> right. I have shown up with the car full of toddlers and
3: a partner and been like, hi
1: guys.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, and and that's, I mean, I think that's the, that's the type of community that we're interested in cultivating and it, it's not necessarily right for everyone. It's, It's loud and busy and sometimes very messy, Um, but that's, that's our style. So that's what we have to offer the world.
1: Right. And so in sort of building that for yourselves and your kids, you've balanced out some of the like fears that people have about too many adults sort of appearing and disappearing in that like revolving door style by saying, we don't have a revolving door because we're not like serially polyamorous. We're not just relationship escalating with a single secondary partner each. We have a community that we build and some of them are our partners and some of them are our friends and things ebb
3: and flow. Mm-hmm. And and most of the time, the difference between partner and friend is completely irrelevant. To right. Them, to and the sort team. of
1: totally unnoticeable to the children one way or the other
2: yes and there's some people that they notice are around more Hmm. and there's some people that they notice and
3: they they notice when it shifts too like sometimes they'll notice before i do like i've had that experience where one of the kids asked me like hey you should invite one of shannon's former partners you should invite them over i haven't seen them in a while and i was like oh okay
2: And luckily we kind of have that kind of relationship where we can still have people around. And once in a while, there's people who aren't around for one reason or another. And Mm -hmm. we can, then we have those honest conversations too, where we say, well, that person kind of chose to leave our circle for a while. So that's why we haven't seen them around. And I don't anticipate seeing them around anytime soon, but if I talk to them, I will let them know you were thinking about them. Like if I see them. So uh, it gives us the opportunity to to be really straightforward with them about that too. And to kind of be able to model like, and that's okay because not everyone stays in your life forever.
1: Right. So are there any kind of other areas in your life that you're out that end up sort of affecting your parenting or these relationships the questions I get asked as a parent of young kids are usually about like schools and doctor's offices. I don't know if those or work or other kind of institutional settings end up mattering for you guys in terms of places to be out or not.
3: Yeah. Most of our emergency contacts are partners for like the kids, the kids schools and things like that, because those are the folks that are in, in position to help. As opposed to our parents, which are several hours away, mm-hmm. um, but but I don't. It's not really disclosed yep. to the school per se. But if mm-hmm. anybody asked, I would answer honestly. I I the the way I approach it um, for for work as well is I'm I'm out at work, but I don't really draw extra attention to it. Um, if anybody brings it up, I have honest conversations with them. Um, but it, it is poly is not a protected status. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, I hope to see change at some point, like once more legal precedent gets set. Mm-hmm. Um, but we at work, we do have an amazing LGBTQ affinity group um, that I think would, would get behind anybody that found themselves in any sort of trouble.
2: Yeah, I, I, honestly, I was just going to say it doesn't really come up. Most people don't ask. We've definitely had partners, um, particularly Jim's partner, who's really involved with the kids in our lives, come to concerts or even like back to school nights. Mm -hmm. And um, no one says anything, really. So I think think it's a, a big fear. And there might be people that talk. I mean, especially the smaller your school is, I suppose if three people started showing up at like PTA meetings every month. Like I'm sure people would have questions, but honestly, the, the, I think the best way to approach it is to just act like this is our lives and there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. And to just answer what people ask, like to your comfort level. Um, and you can say like, Oh, this is, somebody who is in our family who is like really involved in the kids and wants to be part of this, or you can say, this is our partner. Yeah. <laughs> like depending mm-hmm. on what, depending on what your yeah. comfort is, I, it I, really isn't other people's business.
3: I, I answer usually based on, or I, I relay a story based on the conversation yeah. I'm trying to start. So like if I'm, if I'm telling a colleague about my weekend, I will refer to a partner as a friend because mm-hmm. there's no reason to start up that conversation in that context. But I also invited a bunch of colleagues to our vow renewal, where there were a ton of our partners and displays of affection and things mm-hmm. just normalized the poly in our lives. Um, so, so it's not something to be hidden, but it, there's often no reason to call attention to it. And the, that fear that somebody will find out is most often unfounded. Because when they find out it's no big deal.
1: Yeah. And I think like this might be one of those things that could vary regionally or could vary based on where you like live or work or whatever, but certainly where we are, it feels like there is the occasional person who's kind of shitty about it. They're relatively few and far between. And for the most part, you can tell those people to mind their own business.
2: Right. For, for me, that type of thing is a good filter. So I, I have heard stories about people losing important friends or important connections over coming out as non-monogamous. We didn't have any of those experiences personally, but what I would say to someone who asked, like, I'm afraid of this. I I, my personal feeling about it is, well, that's a good way to identify who can accept me for who I am and who can handle being like that close to me in my life. And for people that aren't that close, they really don't have to know. And it really isn't their business, but anyone that wants to be actually like close to me and in my close personal life, I feel like they kind of i i want them to be able to accept all of me and and the reality of who i am and who i who i have in my life and who i love like it's the same thing if people didn't want to accept my children like i could never have a partner that didn't want to accept the fact that i had five children and i wouldn't want to have a friend who couldn't accept the fact that i had five partners <laughs> right
1: if they really can't handle you they can go find less somewhere else
2: right exactly <laughs>
1: It's yeah. It's one of those questions that I feel like gets asked a lot, but it's more about people's anxiety than their reality.
3: Right. Yeah. No, and I think that's that was our that was our coming out experience too. Like there was a lot of anxiety, but it just went far smoother than we expected. And the resistance that we did meet kind of came down to lack of understanding or exposure. Um, we we were lucky to not really run into any real resistance or judgment
1: yeah and my general impression from my partner having kids who are older than my kids but younger than the older wing of your kids uh, (laughs) is that this generation of kids coming up are just to such a degree more open-minded than we were as children or than the children around me were as children that yeah. like
3: i just realized we didn't really talk about the youngest at all so I, I so know. we
1: well, right, you guys yeah. do have an adorable toddler who um, is yeah. like in my mind a potential sign of i don't know what but some some kind of determination that I don't have in that you were willing to go back to diapers again when all of them were like yeah practically grown I don't <laughs> it you is know, so
3: wild we all make our lifestyle choices yeah but, but I would I mean I know we're a little bit focused on the the older kids but I I do think it's important to mention that because it's a I mean it's it's where our time and energy is going right now mm-hmm. um, an amazing two-year-old daughter who I, I, I think of to a great great degree is a, a product of our community I mean she she was she was born in uh, a good friend's home surrounded by a bunch of our partners um, and I mean that's it was such a an amazing experience to share again, with our community um, to, to be part of her birth. Um, And it, it, she probably got far less socialization than she would have if we hadn't been in the middle of a pandemic, but she still got to be loved so hard by so many more adults in her life outside of just her immediate family. Um, And and she got
2: a lot more exposure than a lot of pandemic babies because there were, there were a lot of, gymnastics that happened to keep partners in our life through (laughs) through the pandemic and she did still get to meet a lot of people and have a lot of people who like talk to her on zoom like talking to people on the phone and on zoom is such a normal thing for her like of course that's how you talk to anybody like Jim has to travel for work and sometimes for a month or two at a time and she just would talk to him on the phone and it was like so much less of a big deal than it would have been when we were growing up. And there would have been like no contact for a month or two. She, he came back and she was just so happy to see him, but there was no, like, she was not even two. There was no experience of like, Oh, who are you? I don't remember who you are. It was like, Oh yeah, that's my dad who I talked to on the phone. But, which is how i knew a lot of people my whole life is on this screen <laughs> but,
3: but yeah i mean i think bringing a bringing a baby into the community like that too has been a really amazing experience because so many more people have not just kind of watched her grow up from the sidelines but gotten the opportunity to participate in it and and even some of our some of our people that have made the choice already not to have children to Mm -hmm. be able to have that much more intimacy with it, um, to whatever their comfort level is. Um, even though they're, they're not doing it on their own.
2: Yeah. And we definitely got both responses from, from friends and partners. We got the, wow. Like if you guys can do it, like that makes us feel like we don't have to give up like being in these communities and, like mm-hmm. we can have kids and still have our, oh, yeah. our lives. And oh, yeah. we've gotten like, wow, watching you guys makes me feel really confident in my decision that I do not want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like helped people to come to that just getting to be that close to it. Because I think as a culture, we we aren't like we try to do the Instagram life where it's like, look at our great family vacation. Listen, there are not a lot of great family vacations, family vacation Vacations are hard work.
3: <laughs> I, I, will
1: say, I will say vacations with children are hard work.
3: But, but I will say, when you bring extra adult partners on vacation with children, mm-hmm. it, it makes a tremendous difference. And not everybody's willing to sign up for that. Yeah. Um, no, but,
1: I definitely won't.
3: <laughs> I'm bringing
1: multiple grandparents with me to make my family vacation work this summer.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, that's, that's been, uh, that's been an amazing experience too, to, to get to, to travel as more than just a nuclear family. We've had a couple different configurations in vacation mode um, um, with parts of our polycule. um, And like, it's just, uh, it's amazing.
2: Yeah. Jim is really good at organizing. So he'll like rent a house and be like, who wants to come on this vacation and stay in this house? Our kids will be there, but you know everyone is welcome. So the last vacation we had, our spring break this year, we had a eight bedroom house with twelve people, three kids and three dogs. Like it was just a very full.
3: I'm glad the kids are people. <laughs> it's
2: not it's,
3: it's not the right thing for everybody. Again, like I said, it's it's loud, it's messy and complicated. But if you're if you're up for it, it's a good time too
1: yeah no you guys are always a good time but like i guess i don't know how i want to like tie a bow on this but it's something along the lines of this idea that jess was kind of searching for in the first episode of the season where she's like i really i'm just looking for community and like not feeling like we have to be trapped in nuclear families you Mm -hmm. guys are the well i guess technically we live in our blended nuclear looking from the outside family but actually have you seen this community
3: yeah Yeah. well and i mean i think uh, i would say it's it's up to everybody to dial it in to where they want like we've We've co-created the community that we want, and it's really up to anyone individually to figure out what that looks like for themselves. Um, and it, it can be much smaller. It can be much more closed, um, and that's a that's an individual journey. Um, and Polly doesn't have to put a lot of um, it doesn't have to put a lot of restrictions on that. Uh, Your, Mm -hmm. your children are far more accepting than you would think your community around you is far more accepting and flexible than you think. So, uh, I mean, get out there, explore, figure out what configurations work for you.
2: And and if you can't find a community, you can build one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. You can always build your own. Do it yourself is fine. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I did, I did just want to say, you know, just to put it out there that, um, I do have a practice of parent coaching of Stratford. If you are looking for some assistance in like coming out or any other kind of poly family or poly parenting question, you can feel free to reach out to me. Um, My background is as an art therapist, a marriage and family therapist, and an early child educator. Gloriousness of doing all of that.
0: So once again, I just want to thank Jim and Shannon for coming on and sharing so much of their journey of sort of forming their family and sharing their non-monogamous journey with the four of their five children who were with them already when they came out. And what the process of parenting and bringing a young child has been like within that context of already having those older children in this larger community that they've done so much work to build. As Shannon mentioned, she has a coaching practice that if you're local to Connecticut uh, can involve art therapy for younger children, as well as family and parenting coaching for older people. Um, If you're interested, the links to her uh, coaching practice are in the show notes. If you're not local to Connecticut, the services that she has available virtually are all for teens and adults. For where you can find me coming up in the future, of course, we've got readyforpolyamory.com where you can find blog posts. You can always catch up on the parts of the podcast that you haven't heard yet before season six launches later this summer. Um, And We've got the social media channels. Uh, I've got Ready for Polyamory on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at LauraCB88 on Twitter, which is sort of my most unhinged social media channel. It's where I'm sort of the most myself for my smallest audience. And um, I'm on Facebook, the Ready for Polyamory page, and the Ready for Polyamory group, where we're doing a pretty good job kind of building community, and supporting one another. So if you're interested in following any of those, we're really happy to have you there. Um, And if not, we'll see you on the flip side when we're back with the podcast later this summer. Season six will begin in either the last week of July or the first week of August. I haven't quite figured out the scheduling yet. Thanks for bearing with me. Have a great summer, guys.